Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey everybody, Mason Khan here. Thank you for tuning in to another fantastical episode of the FinTech Friday podcast. If you haven't already, grab your tickets for FFCon 19. I highly recommend that you do so. I mean, we already have a list of all the 50 speakers that are supposed to be presenting on the first and second day on ncfacanada.org. So if you go on ncfacanada.org right now, you can check the entire list of speakers. Some of them we actually had on the show, which is very exciting. So you're going to see some familiar faces and familiar voices. So that's, I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, at this event, you might even find your next investor or you might even find your next investment opportunity, which is very exciting. Um, and yeah, if you haven't grabbed tickets already, I highly recommend that you do so. It's going to be crazy, fun-filled, super-packed, super-information-packed two days. And yeah, I'm super excited to see every single one of you guys there. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to... To meet everybody and to, you know, listen to and just learn as much as I really can from these industry leaders. So without any further ado, enjoy episode 29 with the CEO of the Canadian Securities Exchange, Richard Carlton. Enjoy. My, my pleasure, uh, even if it's not fantastical, but, uh, you know, it's obviously a pretty high bar to hit. So I'll, yeah, I'll do no. my best. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you could definitely uh, hit that bar. So, Richard, just to for the audience, could you just give us a real quick rundown of a little bit of your background in the Canadian Securities Exchange and a little bit more about you, because you do have a really extensive career uh, when it comes to Canadian securities. I mean, you have a 30 plus year career run. Could you just give us a little bit more of like the highlight? Yeah, I, I was going to say that. Yeah, that that was sort of a polite way of saying that I'm, uh, you know, I'm an old guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank thank you for that. I guess the quick uh, thumbnail sketch of the Canadian Securities Exchange first is that uh, we will shortly be celebrating our 15th anniversary as an exchange um, in Canada. We are uh, obviously one of a, a small handful of exchange facilities that uh, uh, we, we have in Canada, including uh, you know the Toronto Stock Exchange, the TSX Venture Exchange, uh, NEO, and NASDAQ Canada, and that's pretty much it. Um, and the uh, exchange was originally conceived as a way to provide a lower cost of capital for early stage or growth stage or venture companies, whatever you want to call them, to uh, basically secure growth capital from the public markets, you know, potentially as an alternative to venture capital, private equity, angel financing, and so on. But to do so in a way that, uh, you know, provided a better, I guess, less friction in raising that needed growth capital for, for early stage businesses. And, uh, you know, it, it's obviously been a, a, a long history to get where we are. Within a few weeks, I think we'll be listing our 500th company, which is a, an amazing milestone uh, for a startup organization to, uh, to meet. And we uh, have, I think, uh, certainly over the last three, four years, each year set a record for the amount of capital that's been raised by companies listed on the exchange. Last year, for example, it was uh, more than $5 billion that was, uh, that was raised uh, on the Canadian Securities Exchange by listed companies. You know, while the headline is you know, basically driven by the cannabis industry, particularly the cannabis industry in the United States uh, most recently, we've also been very well, uh, done very well uh, with the 
mining industry, oil and gas exploration, as well as the fintech space. Uh, we have a lot of fintech companies uh, that have uh, joined the exchange over the last two, three years, again, seeking growth capital, looking to you know, get uh, name recognition in the marketplace and uh, you know, work with companies in a variety of capacities to supply technology or advise them on how to become more efficient in their own operations so by implementing different aspects of whether it's a blockchain or you know, some other um, fintech-related products. So, so that's basically where the exchange positions itself. You know, myself, I'm, you know, I guess I'm, I'm a recovering lawyer is how we describe it. I was in private practice briefly in Toronto before joining the legal department of the Toronto Stock Exchange, as I was going to say, in the, in the, in, during the last century and worked in legal capacity for the exchange for a while. And then I jumped over onto the business management side of the organization to run market data index. I was uh, heavily involved in the creation of the first ETFs that listed in, in Canada. And I, I ran the ETF program at the Toronto Stock Exchange. I also ran the index program and uh, worked with Standard & Poor's to create the new composite index and 60 index as they were back in 98 or 99 or thereabouts. Following my uh, uh, career with the Toronto Stock Exchange, I worked in uh, Toronto and New York City as a consultant uh, with a variety of organizations, generally speaking, you know, in a, in a business development role, and joined the uh, Canadian Securities Exchange, uh, actually uh, their advisory committee when they were being set up uh, in about 2002, joined the organization on a full-time basis in 2006 to launch something called Pure Trading, which was the first continuous auction market uh, facility to uh, trade TSX and venture-listed stocks. There are now many, many venues that, uh, that are doing the same thing. Became CEO of the organization back in uh, 2011. So that's uh, pretty much, uh, I guess, a quick rundown of, uh, of uh, an old guy on, uh, on Bay Street. <laughs> that's, I mean, no, that's, I mean, again, like, like how I mentioned it before, like you do have a really incredibly extensive background. I mean, I'm pretty sure not many people would know that you actually had you have a really big hand to play when it comes to pretty much the entire like payment rails, <laughs> like the entire rail line. Like you, you help like set it up and actually make it what it is today and make and creating it what it's going to become in the future right? with the new, um, well, actually this is, this is not, this is not announced yet, but could you talk a little bit more of the Canadian securities exchanges block chain enabled clearing and settlement facility. Um, you did help set up the original one. What is it going to look like now with blockchain enablement? Yeah, so we looked, uh, we made an announcement in uh, February 2018 that uh, uh, we were looking to uh, launch a clearing and settlement facility that was uh, based on blockchain. Now, you know, the, the, the plumbing itself is kind of interesting, but actually it's, it's, it's really not the most important aspect of it. Really what we're looking to do is to provide um, a regulated framework, really within the context of the existing securities industry infrastructure, if you wanna call it that, uh, for people to list uh, tokenized securities and have them trade in a uh, conventional exchange, right? So they would trade uh, these uh, tokens uh, using their existing brokerage accounts, uh, whether it's a full service broker or discount broker, what have you. But most importantly, that the, in effect, all of the deeply unsexy back office stuff would be handled on a, you know, by a new clearing and settlement agency that would use blockchain to provide what we call near real-time or real-time clearing and settlement to 
dramatically reduce the friction and costs associated with what, what's called in the industry entitlements management. So that's essentially how dividends and other benefits flow from the issuer to the, uh, you know, the, the ultimate shareholder. And uh, it also gives, of course, the companies themselves, the issuers, so, some important advantages in terms of proxy voting and shareholder communications and uh, the ability to conduct very targeted investor relations because the visibility uh, into who their, you know, who, who the real shareholders are is just so much better than it is with the legacy or existing uh, infrastructure. So, which, which of course we, we currently use. So I guess it, 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 it you know, we, we've had some criticism from folks in the, uh, in, in the blockchain industry that we're not being aggressive enough to disintermediate the, the brokers and transfer agents and some of the other folks that are involved in, in the current uh, securities uh, processing uh, field. But, you know, from our perspective, we can attack the biggest sources of cost and risk and inefficiency by actually working within the system as opposed to having to create a whole separate infrastructure to uh, provide a safe and regulated trading environment uh, for, the, uh, for these uh, tokenized securities. Awesome. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely going to help clean up, I guess for lack of a better word, like clean up a lot of the inefficiencies that are currently, that some people are currently facing with the payment rails. And I mean, when it comes to, like you said, some of the, some of the people in the blockchain space are saying you guys aren't aggressive enough or not aggressive enough. This is only just the beginning, right? I mean, like it's still very ambiguous when it comes to what we are kind of looking for in the blockchain space. Like this is, we're very, very early on. So I don't know. To them, I'm, I'm, I guess. No, that's right. I, I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that my crystal ball is uh, perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And you're right. I mean, we're unleashing something, and it's uh, you know, it would be fascinating to see uh, you know where where it ultimately winds up. But again, um, you know, doing this is entirely consistent with the you know the mission that I talked about at the outset, and that is, you know, we are looking to reduce the cost of capital for early stage companies. And if you think about it. I mean, again, perfect example. Uh, when we made our announcement, you know, we had a lot of uh, companies, uh, you know, come up with some, you know, very interesting and novel securities that they would put um, in in a into a smart contract that would uh, then list on the exchange. But within a few days, we actually had, you know, some very traditional industries like mining, for example. And you know, one of the ways that are uh, the most common uh, forms of mining finance for a company that you know finds a commercial grade deposit. And for the sake of argument, they need uh, you know, $500 million to put that, um, you know, to put a mine into production. And typically, what they will do to finance that is not actually issue more shares uh, to the public or do a secondary offering, for example, to, to raise that money. Instead, what they'll do is uh, negotiate a, a royalty agreement with a uh, private equity fund uh, that, are, that are set up. And there's a lot of these funds that are set up to provide this kind of financing. But because the mining company really has the, um, you know, the, the lower hand here, you know, they really are dealing with a, a small group of, uh, you know, thousand pound gorillas in this space. The terms and conditions on that royalty uh, are very, very, you know, hard for the, uh, you know, the, the junior company to, to, to swallow. But they have no choice. If they can take that royalty instrument, so, so basically a contract to pay a certain percentage of the of the revenues that are generated by the mine or, you know, actually in species. So in some cases it's, you know, they'll give you gold, for example, in, in return for the uh, financing. 
you'll be able to market that deal to the public through by using a, a, a smart contract, a, a tokenized security, if you will, at a considerably more advantageous uh, price than you'd be able to do with the uh, you know thousand pound private equity gorilla. And as I say, we within days of making the announcement, we had a number of folks from the mining industry say, "This is fantastic. This will really uh, you know cut our cost of capital." It will uh, make our financing activities significantly uh, more, you know, easier. And uh, you know, looked at from the investor perspective, these are very high-quality securities that generate a regular stream of uh, income. Um, that uh, you know, they're not available to you know uh, the typical retail investor these days. You know, so instead, you know, of having a few rich guys that run a private equity fund benefit from this uh, sort of investment opportunity, we're able to actually, you know take it to much, much broader retail investing audience. So we think, we think that this is a, you know, just a, a phenomenal thing for, uh, for the companies to do potentially. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, <laughs> nobody would have really thought of like, hey, the fact that you guys are rolling, rolling this out, mining companies is definitely not the first thing that comes to mind. So that's, that's definitely news for me. Like for financial tech companies, sure, that makes sense. Cannabis companies, yeah, absolutely. But for mining companies, that's, Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's a very interesting beast <laughs> to be interested in the in the whole blockchain uh, innovation stuff that you guys are doing. Yeah, you know, you're you're right. As I say, it actually it caught me by surprise because uh, uh, you know I, I figured it would be uh, as you say, folks that were you know coming from the blockchain or the crypto world uh, who would be the innovators here. But interestingly enough, it's uh, it may in fact be all uh, you know facets of the uh, junior capital space in, in Canada. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's, if, if anything, this is like a really happy surprise. This is just going to help, um, especially coming from more fi- the, fin- the fintech angle and the crypto angle. Uh, it's just going to give more market validation of like, hey, you know, like we have old school mining companies uh, that are actually willing to back this up and they see they can actually see the potential in it. So it's just going to help further along the agenda, right? So I guess with, I mean, like up, up until last year and this year, I mean, STOs have been a huge hype around the industry, right? How we're going to have these security tokens. They're going to come in. They're going to help stabilize a lot of the current inefficiencies that is going on in the market. So I guess what can we kind of expect uh, from the Canadian security exchange? What does this, like, what does security token mean to them? Um, and what can we kind of expect coming or, or just moving forward right now that we have this new blockchain thing, we can yep. assume that we're going to expect an STO, right? Well, so, so I, I tell people who, and you know, I get phone calls probably still three to five times a week uh, with somebody who wants to uh, launch a, uh, you know, some kind of a tokenized security. We can list a tokenized security tomorrow. It's a security. We're the Canadian Securities Exchange. We list securities. We trade securities. But um, until we have this uh, clearing and settlement facility up and running, it will have to clear and settle uh, using the legacy infrastructure in Canada, which is operated uh, actually by our competitors at the uh, PMX group uh, through the Canadian Depository for Securities. That means uh, T plus two clearing and settlement. Uh, it means that the dealers have to post capital against uh, trade failure during that uh, three-day period uh, before the uh, trade ultimately settles. It means the old-fashioned and very inefficient means of managing entitlements. So the company pays the transfer agent who pays CDS, who pays the dealer, who ultimately pays the uh, the holder of the security. And, you know, through that uh, chain, there's often broken telephone and, uh, you know, payments and other benefits, uh, you know, go astray. 
there's also, of course, uh, no visibility for the uh, issuer in terms of who their shareholders are ultimately because the securities are all held in what you call street name. So you know which investment dealer uh, holds the stock, but you don't know uh, who the actual holder is, for example, unless, of course, they're willing to tell you. So as I say, we, we could you know, give people a head start and get security tokens into the marketplace and trading at this point, but we're not really addressing uh, the or providing the benefits that the security tokens will ultimately do to, you know, as I say, everybody on the chain, whether it's the issuer, the market participants like the dealers and us, and uh, of course the investors. Uh, you know, we're, we're just not there yet until we, we, we provide this clearing and settlement facility. So where we are in that project uh, is uh, we are in the final stages of doing our internal quality assurance testing. The system is actually integral to our uh, trading system. Um, so it's uh, uh, not a you know a separate bolt-on that's uh, that, that's coming uh, from a third-party vendor. Uh, I mean, it is coming from a third-party vendor, but uh, uh, as I say, this is part and parcel of our overall technology stack. It will be a essentially a, a private iteration of an Ethereum protocol-based network. It will live behind uh, what I'm calling the securities industry firewall. So that's the existing network that we have in place uh, to manage orders and trade instructions and so on. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, of course, we, we use, uh, you know, essentially state-of-the-art uh, hardware and software and encryption technologies to uh, provide as good a level of, of security as we possibly can. We'll be, uh, and again, for the more technically uh, adept folks listening, uh, which, of course, doesn't include me, yeah. but... Uh, we, because it's behind the firewall and uh, you know the access to the uh, each of the wallets is permissioned by us and the information is encrypted, um, we're turning the hashing to zero so that uh, we, we won't have the kind of scaling issues that uh, currently plague, I guess, some of the folks that are using public uh, iterations of, uh, of uh, blockchain technology. So we're, we're confident that we would be able to handle you know, a very significant uh, number of uh, transactions per second, for example. Uh, without uh, compromising the uh, performance of the system. And uh, the uh, um, basically, again, as I say, the, the dealers will then uh, have the uh, wallets themselves, which they'll be able to fractionalize down to the individual beneficial account level. So we will shortly be putting the system out into our uh, external test environment, working with a select group of investment dealers and uh, service providers in Canada to basically identify what additional uh, work and integration that they need to do. You know, going into the project, we know there are two big gaps that have to be addressed. The first one is that, uh, you know, the the digital representations of the tokens will get to the wallet, then the dealer will have to figure out how to update the client's uh, uh, systems, sorry, the the client account uh, system. And uh, the dealer, of course, is also going to have to get cash uh, into the system to back up orders. Um, so that if we're going to have a real-time uh, clearing and settlement capability, the cash has to be provided at the time that the order goes into the uh, goes into the system. So having the, the the dealers figure out how to get the their own cash systems, which are currently um, batch-based. Uh, some of them are written in assembler and those are the newer ones. Uh, there's probably some COBOL kicking around in there. So these systems date back to the late 70s, early 80s for many of the large banks. 
they'll have to, as I say, figure out how to, you know, take their, you know, legacy cash management systems and think about them in more of a, or adapting them to a, uh, in effect, a real-time payments world. I thought, you know, having worked on a lot of projects, um, you know, with the uh, Bay Street firms over the years that uh, we were, you know, really going to get uh, uh, kicked in the shins over this thing, um, mm. that there would be a lot of reluctance to, to, to support this work. I'm happy to say that I was 100% wrong. The dealers are extraordinarily interested in uh, pursuing this project. They see the benefits, you know, not just for themselves, but, you know, for the rest of the, uh, uh, you know, pieces of the puzzle. You know, we've had very enthusiastic support from a number of, uh, you know, leading members of the dealer community to uh, to work on the project. So that the feedback, as I say, to date has been just phenomenal. And uh, as I said, we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of support uh, from the dealer community to to see this uh, project uh, through to completion. You know, probably over the course of the next year. Right. I mean, that's that's that's, that's exciting news. I mean, the fact that you didn't get <laughs> the fact that you that you expected a pushback and getting kicked in the shins that you didn't. That's that in and of itself. That's that's very. Yeah, I, I, very I, I, I was very happy about that. <laughs> I mean, hey, I would I would be too, honestly. Like, I I would I would hundred percent. Like again, this is like the mining thing of like, what? You, okay, sure, yeah, no, for sure. This is yeah, no, you can totally use this too. No problem. This is, wow, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. So, um, you did you did touch on a little bit of what does this kind of mean in the burden reduction sense of uh, we we do have, I mean, burden reduction has been a topic that we've had on the show a couple times. I guess now with this new technology that you guys are rolling out, what could this mean for burden reduction for companies? Well, as I say, from the company perspective, um, you know, th- this enables them to basically roll out new and interesting securities, um, which, uh, you know, have the opportunity or possibility of uh, cutting the cost of capital uh, for, the, uh, for the issuers. Um, it also gives them the opportunity to think about or look at, you know, new ways of, of proxy voting and, and, and uh, shareholder communication. Because if you're able to basically have that direct channel to the individual beneficial shareholder, why not use it? Instead of, uh, you know, printing off three inches of paper, you know, the management circular, the, you know, the proxy forms and the glossy brochure and all of that stuff that you get. I mean, that, that, that's, you know, extraordinarily wasteful and, and, you know, really how many people actually go through that uh, information in any great detail. And as I say, I think that, you know, the exciting thing is that, it does take a lot of deals or a lot of business structures that get done in the private equity setting. I mean, again, this this gets away from you know sort of the traditional type securities, but you know the uh, everybody knows about uh, uh, you know Michael Jackson's uh, having purchased the uh, you know the Beatles back catalog, yeah, and then uh, collecting all of the royalties associated with uh, you know advertising and 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 you know radio play and and all of that stuff you know other ways that you monetize that mm-hmm. um you know that that uh, uh, that catalog and you know that that's really only feasible um using present technology as a private equity deal because you know there's only one holder of that security basically it was it was Michael Jackson right whereas you know, if you have smart contracts and you use that to securitize the back catalog of an artist, let's say, um, you know, the smart contract can actually take care of a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of uh, managing that, uh, you know, the royalty payments uh, through to the beneficial shareholders. 
So it gives artists, for example, you know, again, an opportunity to uh, reach a broader uh, potential investment audience at, in all likelihood, more attractive terms than the uh, private equity guys will shake you down for. Um, and it gives a you know, pretty new and novel uh, investment opportunity for, uh, uh, for retail investors. As I say, you know, it's not the rich folks that uh, typically play in the private equity space, but uh, an opportunity for uh, all retail investors to uh, participate in that new and interesting uh, investment opportunities. And then, of course, when you get really you know, down, down the road a bit, and uh, you know, we, we've got these uh, entitlements uh, processes uh, set up better, um, you know, if the artist, for example, like if you hold a, a, a token that, uh, you know, is, is, is a, a security in somebody's back catalog, you know, you can use that, uh, the blockchain, of course, to, you know, send them, uh, you know, concert ticket offers, uh, you dropped a video uh, or, you know, new track uh, or whatever, uh, you can send it to people. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, they can listen to it for a couple of days before, uh, you know, like the Mission Impossible thing, it all, you know, kind of blows up into <laughs> ether bits yeah. or something. So, <laughs> you know, the, the, it, 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 it really, it, yeah, but I mean, these are the sorts of things that, uh, you know, um, you know we, we, we'll provide the infrastructure and we'll sit back and let smart people uh, figure out, you know, cool things to do with it. Um, you know, that that's actually the most fun of all, right, is to uh you, you know we we will create the canvas and and we can let the uh, you know the the artists uh, paint it that that's uh you know really what we're trying to do here right no that's uh <laughs> i mean you got people at, over at the canadian securities exchange they have some smart people too don't look don't get that confused he's just uh, he's just joking <laughs> no offense to anybody that's, I didn't say I wasn't smart. Yeah, don't, get, yeah, don't get me wrong yeah <laughs> but i but i'm no artist <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm just trying to like cover my, I'm trying to cover my ass here. I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa, like, everyone's smart here. We're good. We're good. <laughs> so um, aside from the amazing, you know, up and coming technologies that you guys are working on, uh, what else can listeners be excited about coming out of the Canadian, Canadian Securities Exchange? Um, you guys, I mean, you guys have been a huge focus on the cannabis industry last year and this year. I mean, is there anything else that we could be expecting? Well, you know, I, I always tell people when they say, uh, oh, you guys are focused on the cannabis space. Um, we're, we're not focused on any space. Mm -hmm. what, what we are is a reflection of what transactions are getting financed um, in, in the industry, right? So last year, a lot of cannabis deals went public and they went public on the Canadian Securities Exchange. That's great, right? Yeah. Um, next year, who knows what it might be? Mm -hmm. um, but but I could sit here and say you know yeah we'll we'll focus on um, I don't know mining in Iceland you know we'll we'll go to Iceland we'll do lots of road shows and we'll pitch you know Icelandic miners or whatever it doesn't matter what we do it's all about what investors are prepared to uh, put their money behind and as I say we've obviously had a great run with the cannabis space the last couple of years and as I say I don't want to downplay you know, the, the mining and the, uh, the fintech industries as well. Um, you know, they, they've contributed a lot of companies to the, uh, uh, you know, to the Canadian Securities Exchange over the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, we've, certain, we've seen uh, certainly some uh, shifts, you know, in the cannabis space even. Uh, you know, people are looking more at the United States as, a, as an investment opportunity as opposed to companies that are focused solely in Canada, for example. Mm -hmm. Again, I think from a on the fintech space, we've definitely seen a shift away from companies that were focused on supporting or having some angle in the crypto 
uh, space versus, you know, coming up with real applications uh, for real businesses, uh, you know, whether it's blockchain or other efficiencies that can be brought to the payment system or, you know, other health tech and, and uh, insurance tech and all of those sorts of things. But again, you know, we, we, can, we can say whatever we want. It actually doesn't matter because it's really all about uh, what, the, uh, you know, what the investing public are, are, are supporting and, and trading. Of course. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, uh, yeah, no, I'm super excited to, to kind of see what this year's uh, big industry is going to be. Like you said, last year was cannabis. This year it could be Icelandic mining for God knows. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> That'd be amazing. No, I have nothing against Icelandic miners, by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was simply using that as an extreme example. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They, they're, they've been doing some incredible work there in Iceland. So I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> All right. So. Oh, God. Uh, so, Richard, to wrap it up, uh, what would be the best way for listeners to either contact you or the Canadian Securities Exchange? Would it be through Snapchat, email, like carrier pigeon, smoke signal? Like, how, how would we contact you guys? <laughs> uh, well, we're very active on social media, and awesome. uh, you should follow us uh, on, uh, you know, your choice of uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and what's the one I'm missing? Twitter. Oh Twitter. yeah, there yeah, we go. Oh, that thing. A good one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter. I'm I'm a I, I'm a Facebook refusenik though. So, uh, uh, but uh, you know I, I I will and I, and I'm also not a registered user of Twitter. Although, you know we do have the company account and periodically I'll I'll, I'll sneak in that way. Mm. But uh, but that's a good way. We also have a uh, on our website which is uh, you know uh, www.thecse.com is our website. We have a section which is devoted to the uh, blockchain project. Uh, it hasn't been updated for a bit, but uh, we'll be putting some uh, new information up there and we will be keeping people up to date in terms of the progress that we make, which will be, we hope, quite a lot uh, over the next you know, three, four months. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go quiet for a little bit when we deal with the regulators and uh, convince them that we know what we're doing and uh, that we've uh, anticipated all of the questions and issues that uh, they have with the operation of the system. And, uh, you know, my coordinates uh, are, you know, for better or for worse, are on the uh, website and uh, people can, uh, you know, hit on me that way uh, or, you know, find LinkedIn or various other social media. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, maybe in the future, you might, even, you might even be on Twitter. Who knows, right? We'll see. We'll no. See. No. Oh, it's not happening. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, definite, definitely not Facebook. <laughs> all right fair enough uh richard thank you so much for uh sitting down with me today and i mean we're we're super excited we're pretty much sitting at the edge of our seats uh seeing what you guys are going to be doing over at the canadian securities exchange well me too <laughs> okay thank you very much yeah no, for sure. pleasure to speak with you thank you, you yeah no worries thank you so much for tuning into fintech fridays uh if you haven't already make sure to subscribe on itunes and spotify for iTunes, if you could leave us a five-star rating and a review, that'd mean the absolute world to us. And it gives me a better understanding of essentially what your thoughts are. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, feel free to email us at info at ncfacanada.org.
You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.